0: This is Packers Game Day. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Packers trying for the go-ahead score. Starr begins the count. Takes the snap. He's got the quarterback
1: He's each single touchdown and the Packers are out in front. 20 to 17. And 13 seconds joined on the clock. And the Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Four by one. World Champion Green Bay Packers. The Vince Lombardi trophy is coming home where it started.
2: Aaron Rodgers, in oh. under center, drops to a knee and time melts away from Super Bowl 45 title is back in town. The Green Bay Packers are world champions of football.
0: In this hour, we'll go inside the Packers team meeting rooms.
1: We've been able to get pressure on the quarterback and we're doing a nice job on the back end. And I think, quite honestly, it seemed like, and I don't know the exact numbers, but it seems like there's a lot more third and and long situations for the offense. And that's going to translate into a better third down percentage, I would say, 99% of the time.
0: Go inside the locker room and take a look around the rest of the
1: National Football League. Pass is caught by Johnson. Pitch it back for Claypool. Toss it back. Running around. Najee Harris. He loses the ball. It's fumbled around and it's recovered by the Browns. In the end zone for a touchdown. Tried the
0: strong side. Tried to turn back. Ball is out. Flag is down. Picked up by Carolina. Marquise Haynes. 10 five. Touchdown! But there is a flag back at the 40. Here's your host of Packers Game Day.
1: Doug Russell. Last week, the Packers won. They may have won ugly, but a win is a win. Rogers looks it over, takes the snap, swings it right side, on the slant, got his
2: man to the end zone yes. for the touchdown. Romeo Dobbs. With a setback to his left, he sets, he fires on the slant, Lazard, touchdown. Brady looking, waiting, scrambles, right throws, end zone, tipped up into the air, it is incomplete. Over, It is incomplete. Devon Bray Campbell tipped it up into the air. On the right side
1: of the end zone. Today it's the Packers and the Patriots, with Green Bay looking for some home cooking against arguably the greatest coach of all time. A lot of respect for Coach Belichick,
3: he's best coach in the history of the game, I think.
1: Huh. What the hell's going on out here? That's a debate for another time, but after six Super Bowl wins and nine appearances, it's not an unfair comparison. But Bill Belichick won those trophies bearing Vince Lombardi's name with Tom Brady, the Packers just played him last week. This time around, it would be Mac Jones, but he's out. In steps, Brian Hoyer.
3: I've known Brian a little bit over the years through him being a part of the Derby Crews, you know, when he goes to Tom. I really like Brian. He's a a good dude. He's been around the league for a long time, obviously. He's, uh, you know, had some stretches as a starter with a lot of success, but he's around the league because he's smart, He knows the schemes that he's in, and and he can come in and
1: and execute as well as they want him to. It's the Packers and the Patriots. This is the Doug Russell Podcast.
0: You just never know what you're going to get.
1: And welcome into the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you along on this Packers game day. Maybe you're catching us on the way up to Green Bay. Maybe you're catching us on the way back from church. Not sure, but wherever you found us, I'm glad you did. Uh, Got a lot to get to over the course of the time that we have together, including a conversation that I had with someone that Wisconsinites should be somewhat familiar with. She used to be known as Trenny Kuznarek, but she recently got married, so congratulations to her on that. She's now known as Trenny Casey, and she's been covering the New England Patriots for the last 10 years. I want to start off with maybe just a little bit of recent history, but the Packers saw Tom Brady last week in Tampa, but it's kind of still hard to think of him as anything but still a New England Patriot. How long was the shadow that he left when he departed a couple of years ago?
4: Oh, it's still, still, I think, casting a shadow over the the franchise in a sense that there was so much success when he was here, and it was so unexpected, right? I mean, how many times have we heard the story? 199th pick, sixth round, and he ends up being, I mean, arguably the greatest football player of all time. You know, some say greatest quarterback, but I, I I mean I think you could argue one of the most prolific football players of all time. Seven Super Bowls, six of those with New England. And so there is just this expectation because of the success that he and Belichick had together that, oh well, every year you're not just going to like compete for the playoffs. You're going to get into the playoffs. You're going to win the AFC East and you're probably going to be a Super Bowl favorite. And that's just not happening. And so you know, I know there was Cam Newton between um, Brady and Mac Jones, but no one thought he was really going to replace Brady. And now people are looking at Mac Jones and saying, well, can you be the guy that gets us back to the Super Bowl? And it's just this sort of presumption that that's what happens in football, but it's a lot easier said than done.
1: Yeah, I think Packers fans are going to go through some of that as well whenever Aaron yeah. Rodgers yeah. is done, too. you got 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. It's hard to replicate that. I want to ask you about Brian Hoyer's subbing for Mac Jones in just a second. But former NFL wide receiver Brandon Marshall, I don't know if you saw this or not, he said on Inside the NFL that Bill Belichick's seat is, quote, heating up. Is that true or does he still get a lifetime pass that usually comes along with six rings?
4: I don't think he gets a lifetime pass. I, I would say that his seat is okay. So if you have seat warmers in your car, you know, a lot of times there's three levels. Mm-hmm. It's on the first one, right? So it's just warm enough on like a chilly fall day. Uh, you might crank that thing up in the morning, but you might not put it on three where you're like your buck burning. That's where Bill Belichick is right now. And I, I, I think what would happen first is, and for Packers fans who are listening to this driving up to the game, what what happened in, in, in New England is Josh McDaniels left to become the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders to replace him, one of the most creative, dynamic offensive coordinators of the most recent generation of football, Bill Belichick decided to hand the reins over to Matt Patricia, a failed head coach in Detroit, which people here are familiar with, and someone who was a defensive coordinator his entire career, and Joe Judge who is a failed head coach for the New York Giants um, and a former special teams coach, who is now the quarterback's coach. And so that decision in and of itself, I think, has turned up the heat on Belichick. But I think the first domino that would fall, it wouldn't, I, I don't expect even if they have a rough year for Bill Belichick to get let go at the end of this year, but, but Robert Kraft might come in and say, listen, I let you hire your two little buddies to run this offense, but it has been a nothing short of a disaster. Our quarterback isn't happy. He's getting injured. All these things are happening. Those two guys go, and you try to do it a different way. I let you do it your way. You do it my way now.
1: Is there a theory as to why Belichick assistant coaches, when they go off and become head coaches elsewhere, is there a theory in New England as to why they fail most of the time?
4: I mean, I think part of it is just because he has so much control over things and that his system, while it works in New England, and it certainly worked well while you had Tom Brady as your quarterback and you were winning Super Bowls, isn't always a system that works elsewhere. And I think Matt Patricia is a perfect example of that. Bill Belichick rules with an iron fist. You don't say anything to the media. You do your job. Um, it is, you know, a lot of former players. I'm sure, you know, you've seen people have seen the clip of I believe it was Danny Amendola after he left New England saying how much it sucked to play there and it was miserable. Um, it's not an easy place to play, and but it's fine to do that when you're winning I mean, every single year you're a Super Bowl contender. I, that formula I think doesn't always work elsewhere. I am surprised, I have to say, I am surprised that Josh McDaniels has started out zero and three um in In Las Vegas. Um, And that one surprises me a little bit because he had, I don't want to say free reign in New England, but he had a lot of control over that offense. He is obviously, I think, a really smart offensive mind. Um, And I'm curious to see if that ship can get righted there because I thought that was maybe a head coach that left the system that would have a little bit more um, success, but also who learned from his past failures when he was at Denver when he tried to coach like Bill Belichick and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, Devontae Adams is pretty mad about that, as we heard after last week's game as well. Yeah. I mean, they've already lost, as you mentioned, three games. That's a, as many games as the Packers lost in each of the last, of last year. three games. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, you know what, sir? Devontae Adams is right. Maybe so he's Grass <laughs> <little winner.
1: laughs> is always greener, right? Um, let's talk about Bill Belichick just for a second. What's he like to cover? I mean, we don't get a whole lot from Matt LaFleur And I think that's indicative of probably most coaches, but Belichick seems like he's on a whole other level when it comes to his media availabilities.
4: I mean, at least like, again, and I don't get to see a ton of Matt LaFleur's like press conferences, but I'll see them on like NFL network or ESPN or something. Um, You know, I I mean, I'm a, a religious good morning football viewer. So I see, you know, how he is at least he's pleasant at least when he tells you nothing, he says it in a nice way. He does. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if you or anybody else saw the press conference that Belichick held on Wednesday when asked repeatedly about the status day by day. of Mac Jones day by day. Day day by day. Day. And then he had in this. This is where I think people are getting a little tired, including media, who quite frankly, went out of their way sort of to excuse Bill Belichick's behavior with the media before because it was like, well, it works. They were winning. Well, now you're not winning. And he had the audacity to get up in front of a group, a room full of people. And I know two of the reporters, Phil Perry and Andrew Callahan, Phil works for us at NBC. Callahan is the patron beat writer for the Boston Herald um, in town. And, and especially Andrew asked, both of them asked Bill very pointed questions. And he just did not want to answer them. And the one that Andrew asked that I thought was really fair is, I think to Phil, he said, well, Phil, you know, I'm not a doctor. And Andrew followed up and said, well, you're not a doctor, but what do your team doctors say? What are they telling you? And he was like, well, I don't, what do you think? I'm just going to read the MRI. Well, no, no one's asking you to read the MRI. All anyone's saying is what are the doctors telling you? And if you want to say, Hey, you know what? We're not a hundred percent sure yet. It seems to be getting better, but you know how these things can go. It can seem like everything is getting better and you can have a setback or you can try to put weight on it or run on it and it gets hurt further. We just, we don't, we, you know, We want to be careful with this. If he can go, he'll go. But if he can't, we're going to be careful with the injury. That is so different than standing in front of a group of people. He's kind of, it's almost like demeaning to the people who are in that room. And it's not like people are asking them dumb. Reporters are asking him dumb questions or putting him on the spot. They're just asking what fans and everyone wants to know what's going on, you know, with your allegedly franchise quarterback. I do think the act is where I'm thin. Again, I think when they were winning Super Bowls all the time, it was like, oh, ha, uh-huh, Bill can do whatever he wants, ha, 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 ha. Well, you know, now you've had a couple losing seasons and you haven't made it to, you haven't made it past the first round of the postseason since Tom Brady second to last year when you won a Super Bowl. So that line is get that that, that leash you're getting is getting short. That lease you had is getting shorter.
1: Is he going to be one of those guys who dies on the sidelines? How long does he want to keep doing this? Is retirement something that he's even contemplated? <sighs>
4: So a long time ago, he said he did not want to be that guy who coached into his 70s. He recently did actually, somewhat for Bill Belichick at least, a somewhat candid had a candid conversation with Dan Shaughnessy, longtime columnist for the Boston Globe, and he said, you know, looking back, I probably shouldn't have said that. Listen, let's be honest. 70 now is a lot different than 70 was, even 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, He's fit. He's fine. He's healthy. He's got his mind. I can't imagine this is someone who wants to like Bear Bryant or Joe Paterno. It. I mean, I don't those are the two guys that like I thought that of immediately.
2: Way.
1: Yeah,
4: yeah, immediately, right? Like you, you, literally think of those two guys, and you think the minute they left football, they died. Yes. I don't think Bill Belichick is there. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's like he want. I, I think honestly, and this is me just fully speculating, but I, there is part of me who wonders: Does he want to try and win one well without Tom? Because when Belichick or Brady left for Tampa, there was an automatic conversation about was it Bill or was it Brady? Brady goes, he goes to Tampa, they immediately win a Super Bowl, even though they didn't win a Super Bowl last year. If it wasn't for Tom Brady, they wouldn't have even been in a conversation. Many would argue he should have been the league MVP last year, not Aaron Rodgers. And so that that sort of murmurs of oh it was actually Tom not Bill Belichick those are growing a little bit louder and i wonder if one he wants to reach shula's all-time win record if he wants to try to get there and two if he wants to try and win a super bowl with someone not named tom brady mm. so that he can say see i can i can make something out of everybody
1: Trini Casey, formerly Trini Kuznarek from NBC Sports Boston, joining us here on our Eye on the Enemy segment on Packers game day. Well, he does have Mac Jones right now, but maybe not today. Brian Hoyer will get the start at quarterback. How does that change the game plan offensively for de facto offensive coordinator Matt Patricia?
4: I mean, probably not much. It's not like, and I use this example on, on my own show back home this week, it's not like you're going from Patrick Mahomes to Brian Hoyer. Matt Jones isn't super, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a really strong arm. He's not super mobile. He's, I think, still a better quarterback. He's more talented and more physically gifted than Brian Hoyer, but it doesn't sound like the game plan is going to change very much. The only thing I can think of Doug, that you might not see as much of is the Patriots have made a very concerted effort this year to push the ball down the field more. It's why they went out and got Javante Parker. I don't know that Hoyer has the touch that Jones does um, at least at times to sort of put the ball in the right place. So you might see more like shorter passes, more of a run game. I don't think you'll see, you know, actually I not seen a ton of play action or RPOs, which we thought we'd see a lot of with Jones, if You don't have not but I would think that you're not going to see a huge deviation from the game plan, which is why going back to the conversation we had at the start of this interview, why do we not know, like why was Bill being a jerk during the press conference like I don't know what you're keeping from the Packers. Like you're you're basically getting just an older, less talented version of Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer. So you know, I don't know it's not like, ooh, if Brian Hoyer is on the field, they're gonna run the ball a ton. It's like Lamar Jackson came or Lamar yeah. you know, came out of nowhere. Like it's it's just it's silly to
1: me. It's like football coaches think they're keeping state secrets. I know. It's I know. Especially do. Belichick. Right. Uh, final Subterfuge. thing. <laughs> right. I mean, it goes back to the whole taping the other team's practices, right? No.
4: Oh, yeah. Touchy subject in these parts. Those parts touchy subject.
1: I, I can imagine. Uh, final thing for you there is some talent on this Patriots defense. Dietrich Wise sacked Lamar Jackson three times last week, but the Ravens still put up 37. What is their yeah. defensive identity coming into today's game?
4: That's a great question. I, I think it's a little still up in the air. It's hard to tell, right? Like they did actually did a pretty good job against uh, Tua in in their first game um, against Trubisky. They like did just enough, but they, I, I actually felt like it's funny. They gave up 37 points, but I actually felt like the defense um, did a pretty good job on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, I think they just got worn down. Um I, I, I to me, I guess if I had to think of their identity, like to put a word on it for right now, it would be tenacity. Like they they don't have any stars at any position. Like you mentioned, Dejaz Wise, this is his sixth year in the NFL. He's I think a breakout year. His sixth year in the NFL. Um, I think they would have maybe been a little bit better with Kyle Duggar um, on the field. So I just when I look at them, it's like they sort of they don't give up. And I think they're to use a football term. I think they're out kicking their coverage a little bit in terms of like the talent, at least on paper, that you have on the roster versus the performance they're um, putting together. I mean, give credit. They, we, uh, the, the Patriots do not also have a, a named defensive coordinator. Instead, Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick are sort of co-coordinators with Steve Belichick calling the plays. But their defensive game plan is always really solid. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, they're not the fastest group. They're not the strongest group. They're not the most talented. But together, um, it as a whole entity that actually are pretty good and hold their own. They make you work. They make you work. And there are some people, and you know, we're talking about, I know the spread at least at last check was nine and a half points um, in favor of the Packers. Um, there are a lot of people in new England who would say, take, take the Patriots with that spread, like with that defense and with the way that the Packers offense has struggled. I'm one of those people take, Take take the Patriots against that spread because I think the defense keeps them in game.
1: Trenny Casey, I'm still gonna struggle with your name probably for a while.
4: It's all right,
1: Trenny Casey, formerly Trenny. <laughs> that's good. Uh, we've only we've been friends for what about 15 years or so. So it, I mean old habits. At
4: least, yeah, yeah. I know it's hard. It's I know. Hard. Did you change me in your phone or no?
1: No, that's not gonna happen.
2: Uh,
1: no, that's, that's fair, that's fair. That's <laughs> right, Casey, NBC Sports Boston, uh, joining us here. Enjoy the game. I know you're in town today for the uh, game, and I know that your husband is a Patriots fan, so house divided today. He is today. a
4: Patriots fan, house divided. House. I'm wearing a Packers sweatshirt, a brand-new Packers sweatshirt that I ordered for this very occasion, and because I just needed a new Packers sweatshirt. Sean didn't bring anything Patriots. I was
0: hmm. like, you're
4: allowed to. You're allowed to. We're not mean in Green Bay no one will throw anything
0: at
1: you it's okay fair (laughs) enough treddy appreciate the time thanks so much and uh enjoy your stay back home
4: thank you very much
1: Trenny Casey, formerly known as Trenny Kuznarek, joining us here on the Doug Russell Podcast, the Packers game day edition of the show. This past Wednesday, my friend Bill Schmidt and I had a chance to catch up with the illustrious voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee. We were sitting in for Mike Heller on the Mike Heller Show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. And we began by asking about the great Bill Belichick.
2: He's one of the best in terms of strategists and that type of thing. And I tell people all, all, all the time, you know, and in the course of it, the coaching in the NFL is very good. All of it's really good. It really is. And I'm not just saying that. But the best of the best, uh, and Belichick is that, um, on 12 Sundays out of 17, will probably out X and O the other sideline. Now, a really good NFL coach, you do it about nine times. Um, you know, that's the kind of – but here, again, it comes down to eventually – it's not just X's and O's. You, you can maybe win a game or two that way, but it comes down to how the Jimmys and Joes execute on Sunday. And, you know, Belichick doesn't have Brady at quarterback. He doesn't even have Mac Jones at quarterback this week. It'll be really interesting to see what they bring. But I tell you what, they'll be well-prepared and well-coached.
1: Uh, I'm interested to see what you've seen. And I grant the sample size is very small. It's only been three games. And when I ask this question, I, I understand that. But from what you've been able to observe, Wayne, how has Aaron Rodgers adapted to his new reality of not having number 17 as his safety blanket to throw to? Yeah, I think he's.
2: we're still feeling that out. I, I think everybody's still kind of feeling it out. Um you know, nothing seemed to go particularly well at Minnesota. Uh, they ran the heck out of the ball, and they ran the whole offense through those two running backs against Chicago. And then last week, I, I thought, the boy, the execution of the game plan, the first three drives was phenomenal against what I consider the best defense in football. And then that fumble seemed to stem the tide and turn it all around. And Tampa, from then on, the Tampa defense was in command. Um, so I, I think that what my bottom line is I think they're still feeling that out, Doug. Um, you know, they've seen some things that work. They've seen some things that don't work. I think uh, they'll take another step this week in, in putting it together.
5: Our Packers insider here, Wayne Larravee, brought to you by Miller Lite. Great taste, only 96 calories. It's Miller time. Annex Wealth Management know the difference. And Arbon Equipment Leaders in Repair, Installation, and Maintenance for Loading Dock Equipment, Industrial Doors, and more. Wayne, when we're hopefully having a a victorious cold one after uh, a 3 and one start and another victory at Lambeau Field this weekend. What does your outlook for David Bakhtiari include? Well, what are we talking about? Are we seeing, again, maybe one of these work management, load management runs where it's half the snaps, 60% of the snaps? When were you guys told about that, and what do you expect that being moving forward?
2: Well, Matt told me that they the Baktiari was going to play on Saturday, and then we got word right before kickoff of what their plan was, so that it didn't surprise us. And um, you know, so we appreciate that. That's that's great stuff. And um, but I, I, it's hard to tell, um, Billy, because I, I've seen one practice. It's hard to tell. They they mix a match a lot. They went a little lighter today in practice. Um, I think that you know it was a physical game. It was a um, em- emotionally, physically uh, draining game in the heat and humidity of Tampa. And I think he wanted to give a, the guys a little more time to recover. Um, tomorrow's practice probably would tell you a little bit more about what you know the, the lineup will look like. But I anticipate Bakhtiari is going to play. And um, the only thing that, that might be different is that maybe Bakhtiari just goes out there, takes his spot, and doesn't look back.
1: Kind of uh, wandering in the weeds for the last decade or so since the heyday of Tim Masthay at the punter position. But Pat O'Donnell, seven punts, five inside the 20, no touchbacks last week. He's the special teams player of the week in the NFC. How much of a difference can that field flipper make? Because this has been the first season that I can recall the Packers making a true concerted investment in special teams.
2: Yeah, no question, Doug. And we've seen some early returns. Uh, I think it's going to. There's still room to grow, especially in the return game itself. But we've seen early returns, certainly in coverage. Uh, the punter has been outstanding. Um, you know, he's hit some big kicks. But really, what he, he does well is place the ball, and that's so valuable. And, you know, when you're scheming the way Rich Bisaccia does with his coverages. But um, I will go so far as to say, uh, the Packers would be one and two without pat o'donnell and here's my point you mentioned the five punts inside the 20 how many drives did brady begin inside his 10 there were at least two or three of them and in 20 yard line or less he began drives uh, you know deep in his own territory that was a big part you know there's a lot you you come out beyond the 30 yard line you can run certain things offensively you start inside your 20 there's certain things you can't do and so it limits the offense. It gives the defense a very big advantage. And the game itself, the yardage differential was plus 12 in favor of Green Bay. Packers' drives, on average, started at the Packers' 32. Tampa Bay's average field position to start a drive was the Tampa 20. That basically, guys, was the difference in the game.
5: Devondre Campbell, Wayne, uh, that name, you must just say it when you wake on up after 14 tackles in the monster day that he had this weekend. You said his name a lot on the broadcast. Quay Walker right next to him. I think it was his first monster splash play in the first kind of of many. Was that a little bit of a coming out party for what this uh, group can be? We talked about it last week or so, and people were wondering when the big splash play for Devondre Campbell was going to come, Wayne, uh, both come in the same weekend.
2: Yeah, they did, and uh, you know, he showed you that athleticism, that ability to uh, elevate the ceiling of the second level, making the quarterback, especially in close quarters like the red zone, have to, you know, throw that ball a little bit higher, a little more uh, touch on it, and um, not as easy to thread the needle. Um, You know, you'd like to be able to zip it right in there, as Brady did in the uh, last touchdown when he hit Gage between defenders. Boy, that was an incredible throw. And then, you know, but when you had Campbell out in front and Brady was scrambling a bit to his right, trying to get it into the end zone, Campbell goes high and takes it down. Um, That's what Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell can do on the second level. I think what they do best, obviously they go sideline to sideline, but they also raise the ceiling. If you understand what I mean,
1: Ryan Hoyer in his 14th season, I mean, this is somebody who's, I think he's been on, what, his seventh team now with the Pats. What do you see from Brian Hoyer at this stage of his career, and how do the Packers defend against it? Uh, He's a
2: capable uh, quarterback, a capable uh, NFL-type quarterback. Um, Is he as good as Mac Jones? No. If he was, he'd be starting ahead of Mac Jones. But, um, you know, he's a a journeyman. He's going to go out there, run the offense. He, uh the Patriots people have said that he's kind of almost like a third offensive coordinator out there. He's very much involved in the game plan, in the development of the game plan, in the implementation on game day. He's very involved in that regard. So, you know, he's going to be, is he as talented as some quarterbacks the Packers have faced? Of course not. But, uh, don't, don't just write him off. He is a very capable, professional NFL quarterback who understands the design of that offense. And so, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see I the Packers don't get a free pass on this one
5: they they don't get a free pass Wayne but but they do have a lot of people looking past the the next couple of games uh, this one becomes a lot uh, less fearful for fans uh, with the the injury to Jones then it's the Giants the Jets commanders uh, until that pre- Halloween night game on Sunday Night Football in Buffalo. Matt LaFleur said earlier today, you look ahead in this league and you get your ass whipped. I tend to lean that way. You've seen a lot of ball. You've been around a lot of teams. How do you, how do teams avoid that?
2: Well, I mean, it gets down to the individual. I mean, you know, the players can't allow themselves to do what we do. <laughs> that is no. look ahead. So, you know, I mean, it's it's an individual thing in many respects. It's the message from the coaching staff. But I will say this, guys. Um, in the three-plus years Matt LaFleur has run this thing, how many games have they lost that you sat there and said, well, they weren't ready or they were looking ahead or that type of thing? You could probably count them on one hand at best. And so I, I don't think they're going to look beyond the Patriots. I think the New England Patriots still evoke a certain amount of respect, a certain amount of attention, and certainly that coaching staff does on the other sideline.
1: So here's a tough question. As someone who grew up a Packers fan in the 60s, watching Vince Lombardi do what he did, turning himself into the legend that he is, the trophy named after him, then Belichick comes along and wins six Lombardi trophies. How do you compare and contrast those two elite coaches?
2: Yeah, um, you know, totally different eras. Hard to compare the two. Um, But I will say this. Winning a Super Bowl today is probably more difficult than it was in the '60s. I agree.
5: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're. Uh, I don't. You're I, I, I don't thought. think there's any question. And, and the way that he's had to, I, I joked about it this way, uh, Wayne, and and you might like this one. When he's doing the GM role and the head coaching role, there there isn't the ability to do like what Vince Lombardi did to Jim Ringo, I'm All Pro, and he comes in <laughs> and says, "I'd like a raise." He goes, "Okay, Jim." I found you that raise. It's with the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's amazing what Belichick does in his history. It's with the exception of 2007 when they went 18-0 and and then lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. That was far and away their best team. Far and away. And, and New England mm-hmm. people will tell you that. But no one talks about that team. No one remembers that team because they didn't win at all. But that was their most talented team. They've done a lot with less, um, you know, There's, in my opinion. And that's been the beauty of Belichick and Brady. Um, you know, Brady hasn't always had the best receivers around him. He did in 2007 and 2008, but he didn't uh, the rest of the way. And he's made people better than they are. I mean, he's, he's done in New England what he was doing Sunday in Tampa Bay against the Packers on that last drive. Um, but he's not in New England. And Belichick can only do so much as a head coach. Um, he could put his players in position to win they've got to be good enough to win I think defensively this is a good team um, they won't beat themselves offensively but I don't think uh, they're quite the, what they've been in the past and then on special teams that's kind of a crapshoot there as well
1: the illustrious voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, joining Bill Schmidt and I on 97.3 of the game this past Wednesday. Also on Wednesday, that's when Aaron Rodgers met the assembled media at his locker. Here are his full comments.
3: Everything could change in uh, in the game or before the game or halftime, third quarter, fourth quarter. Uh, they have a lot of scheme they can get to. They're very well prepared, very well coached, and you got to be kind of ready for every coverage pressure, zero. Uh, drop eight, uh, a lot of different things. A lot of respect for Coach Belichick. He's best coach in the history of the game, I think.
5: Bill's famous for taking away what opposing teams do best. I mean, if you still had Devontae, likely he tried to take away 17, but with how your offense is evolving, what do you think he'll try to take away this?
3: I'm not gonna give him any ideas, but I'm <laughs> sure he'll look at uh, what he thinks we do best and try and take away first and second options. And then uh, have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D that I'm sure he hopes he doesn't get to. But I'm sure they'll have a great plan for us. How much in-game adjusting do you do in a week when you play Bill versus normally? Oh, I mean, I think it's, I'm always looking for in-game adjustments. I like to tease our staff sometimes when they make an in-game adjustment at halftime, be really excited. Um, you know, there's some people that believe in, it's like momentum. Some people believe in momentum, some people don't, some people believe. in. Uh, half-time adjustments. Some people don't. So, just depends on what do you even classify. You know, the definition of a half-time adjustment at times. But, uh, but we're always making adjustments and tinkering and, and tiny little things to, to try and improve plays both in the heat of the battle and then off on the side and at halftime and a bunch of other times.
0: Matt said he had had a direct conversation with Bock about how he's been feeling this week. Have you? Obviously, you guys are good friends. but have you had the chat. Just how's he feeling? How's things going?
3: I don't want to talk for Dave. I'll let Dave do all the talking, he's got a big mouth and enjoys using it, so I'll let him answer that question, but he seems in pretty good spirits.
0: Aaron, you gave the uh, Charles Woodson comparison for Rasul. Does Rashawn Gary remind you of anyone, and what do you just think of the the role he's taken on for this team?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. He's a different body type. Uh, He's got a great motor. He's, you know, he's been productive every single game. I think he's had a sack every game. He's been in the backfield a bunch. He's tough to tough to block and he's he's earned that respect now where he's getting chipped on a lot of plays. And the slides going his side. So a lot of credit to how hard he's worked. And when he came in, he was kind of a run a one-trick pony. You know, he had kind of some speed, then he started developing the power, and then he de- developed the moves and then he became really tough to block. Yeah, he's a great player. He's he's uh, he's got three sacks and uh, 91's got four, so they got a good pass rush. Plus, they give you a ton of different looks, you know, with uh, empty pressures and adjustments and checks of their own, uh, delayed blitzes, spying, a lot of different things they can do. Uh, So it's no, we got to be aware of where he's at because he's a he's a game record. Yeah. Sounds like Robert. Do you think to the you know t- touchdown season type of player he going
0: to uh,
3: Bobby? Yeah. I think it's it's just confidence for both him and, and Elton and Dave as well. You know when you come back from an injury, whether it's at nine months or 12 months or however many months, uh, that's a significant injury and it's. You know, I think Bobby's getting close to that feeling that he felt a few years ago where he's dangerous after the catch. You know, he's got good moves and he can also put his head down, but I just want to see him get even more comfortable putting that foot in the ground and cutting off it and, and then making some guys miss after the catch, and I think he's getting close to that. He's feeling better. Uh, he's doing some really instinctual things out there, and it's just kind of the next step is the last little bit of confidence
0: Remember,
5: <laughs> human nature coming off a big win a week away from going to london facing a backup quarterback with that jones injury to have a plateau. has there been a conscious effort to be verbal with your teammates to make sure that doesn't
3: no because we don't talk like that in the locker room that's that's outside the locker room fodder nobody ever talks about letdowns or emotional setbacks or uh, trap games or any of the you know the code words you guys use uh, we have a standard of which we play and that's the standard if it dips below that we don't attribute that to anything other than the preparation we put in the way we practiced and the focus for that game so I know those are fun code words for you guys to use and I respect them and shoot I I've heard him, you know, being a fan of the game for a long time, but we just don't approach it
0: that way.
1: Either Practice by not. design or not? you get the ball out quicker than you have in the past? First Sunday with Dave, last Sunday, do you think that helped him? Maybe just kind of reactivate himself at
3: all? I think it helps all the guys. I mean Dave's always getting on me about holding the ball too long or dropping too deep in the pocket. So uh, I definitely wanted to get the ball out against those guys and and a lot of the stuff is get the ball into our guys' hands and let them go. You know, that's why the ball is coming out quick, it was shorter passes. They're great tackling, but we wanted positive plays. You know, we want those third and manageable, which we hadn't really in the first half. That's why we went five for seven. The second half was a lot of third and eight, nine, ten plus, because we didn't have those first and second down kind of quick five, six yarders that we had in the first half, so that was the the goal, and we just kind of got away from that a little bit in the second
0: half. Practice style change this week a little bit, obviously today more of the walk-through, draw-through type. Was that something, were you in that conversation about, you know, that the workload and coaches said the workload had just been a lot um, recently that just wanted to maybe tone it down a little bit? Yeah,
3: I was in that conversation.
0: (laughs) It It sounds like it might be Brian Hoyer i just curious if you have any kind of relationship with him or how
3: you know Yeah, I've known Brian a little bit over the years through him being a part of the Derby Crews, you know, when he goes to Tom. I really like Brian. He's a, he's a good dude. Uh, he's been around the league for a long time, obviously. He's uh, you know had some stretches as a starter with a lot of success, but he's around the league because he's smart, uh, he knows the schemes that he's in, and, and he can come in and, and execute as well as they want him to. So. You know, I have a lot of respect for Brian.
0: Aaron, on timeouts, what is the thinking there for you when the clock is running low? On when you use one, maybe when you try to just get the ball play off, maybe you maybe actually take a delay. What's the what's the kind of the, the thinking there though in those final moments?
3: Quarter momentum, D and D, score of the game, uh, and then the feasibility of get us into some positive play. Uh, so you hate using them like we used a couple in the first half. Second half, you'd really think about how what can I get us into in a situation to get a better play. But there's certain situations and in, in scores uh, in momentum times where it is better to, you know, have a conversation on the sideline, make sure we got the perfect call, and then uh, and regroup instead of trying to force something. Sometimes there's a look that they give us on defense that we just can't block up, or it's going to be a negative play, and there's not anything really to get into based on the formation we're in, and you got you got to burn one and get in a better formation and change it up. But it's it's a field. taking all those factors.
0: Does the left tackle rotation change anything for you as a quarterback?
3: No, I mean, I think both guys uh, had nice performances on Sunday, and uh, it's a good problem to have.
0: Aaron Matt was saying on Monday that it was really frustrating for him with the offensive coaches that you guys couldn't get anything going in the second half. They said we're getting outcoached. Nothing was working. I'm wondering how we played as long as we can have. I think it's the challenge to adjust in game. Like you can come up with a great game plan, but if they do something you're not expecting, obviously that's what kind of the games are won and lost. What's that process like and, and how how big of a component is that in winning the game?
3: One of the the most difficult things is to have a great uh, first 15 or first 20 and then be able to transition out of that. Because there's going to be adjustments made to those first plays, and a lot of times there's designer plays in those first 15 or 20 that are not repeat calls. So you have to have a good bank of legitimate staples that you can get to, and adjustments, plays that are multi... Dimensional, you can run it against one eye, two eye, man, zone, uh, principles, and then be able to roll through some of that stuff. I think in the game, we had a nice start. We had a good first, uh, you know, 25, 15 to 25 ideas, and then they adjusted and went to a lot more man coverage. And we just didn't uh, maybe make uh, enough adjustments. Um, At the same time, you know, we had some positive plays and some opportunities, and... And had some penalties that, that hurt us and took us out of drives. We had that weird backed up situation where we had a run into the kicker, and then a penalty where we had the ball around the 30, plus 30, and ended up getting to the minus 35, and that obviously took points off the board. But, but it's understanding. Okay, if we start with this, we get after them. How are they gonna adjust? And then having a plan for that that part as well. And sometimes we do. We just don't execute it. I feel like we had some some decent calls and just didn't. Uh, didn't get it done. I know that
0: it's a game-to-game thing. But have you seen Matt, who's never been a head coach before, grow in these three-plus years in terms of being able to do that effectively?
3: Well, I mean, I joke about the halftime stuff, but uh, the most important conversations are really those player-to-player conversations, where you can have that sl- the little subtle adjustments between myself and the receivers, myself and the backs, myself and the line, to be able to get us in and out of things a little bit quicker, uh, is, is important. And you know, it's, it's talking about the looks that we had. It's talking about the pressures and adjusting to those. Um, because this scheme or this this system hasn't been a big, you know, adjustments at halftime type thing. It's just, you know, trust in the scheme and the stuff that we have in the, in the hopper to, to, to pull back out. Um, but I think we, I've seen a lot of growth um, in those areas as less reliant on, on scheme at times and more uh, creative with some adjustments, uh, not just at halftime, but in all the quarters. Uh, when, we, when we're talking on the sidelines, making little subtle adjustments and then just trusting that that's going to work.
0: How's it feel to have the special teams player of the week in your locker room?
3: It's been a while. It's been a while. been a while. Uh, he's a uh, pretty, uh, pretty good punter. Uh, happy he's on our team. He's got a hell of a head of hair, and. He's a good presence in our locker room, and he's kind of happy to be on this side of the uh, of the border.
0: Has it been different adjusting running consistently into an eight-man type of defense where in the past normally audible out or just that wouldn't probably be a consideration to run in that situation?
3: Which eight-man box?
0: Like when they stacked a the box with like Tampa did, you know, trying to run against that type of defense, and you guys, you know, still try to slam it in there. I mean, I didn't
3: see a lot of stacked box in the game. I mean, there was a few points, but uh, this scheme has the ability to run the ball uh, against uh, eight-man fronts, booking a guy in the backside. I mean, most schemes do as well. So I'd love to see some more one-eye, though. Aaron Pat's hair notwithstanding. Um, Great hair. Him and Mace.
0: (laughs) You always talk about wanting to just break even on special teams for so many years. Do you think you've kind of crossed over into the point where it really could be all season long? You know, there's a long way to go where it could actually help you, and how much better does that make everybody's life yours and everybody else, especially teams, can do that for
3: you? Well, it's nice, yeah, just to break even, but if you think about the way we played, you know, we have three legitimate teamers, I would say. Ford, and you watched him on, as a gunner showing up multiple times. Dallin, who flies down on kickoff, plus he's a coach on the field, getting everybody lined up, and then Keyshawn. And Keyshawn goes out and plays 60 snaps on defense and balls out, forces a fumble, makes a lot of plays. But that's three legit teamers who can all, in their own right, probably play on defense, but really bring a lot to the teams, and it ups the entire focus and energy and approach to special teams when you have legitimate teamers who take that really, really seriously. And that's their entire game. you're look at a guy like Tippa, who's flying down on kickoff, flying down on teams, and and balling out. You see the young uh, defensive lineman, you know, out there on punt team and kickoff, you know, embracing his role. You're seeing starters on those as well. You're seeing our starting corners locking down guys on punt team, smash on the kickoff team. You know, you watch the 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 onside kick, and you got Russell Douglas and Sav, both making great blocks on that. We're literally bypassing the ball, Sav drills a guy, Sewell pops a guy, <laughs> and then Allen just has a little candy hop tone. team's a little different around here, and it's, it's, uh, it's a nice change.
0: Clay Matthews, your set of your title, favorite Clay story? That I can share? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> My favorite memories from Clay are off-season Clay. In-season Clay uh, was Obviously, incredibly talented and focused, but there were a lot of days where, you know, he, he was kind of like a angry bear, and he wake him up and, and snap on you. But off-season, Clay, man, we used to have a workout group with him and his younger brother, Casey, and Dave. And off-season, Clay is like wakes up every single day. is the best day of his life. You know, and he nonstop ripping on everybody in the gym, mostly myself and Dave, getting his brother in on it um but yeah a lot of love for clay i loved having him in the locker room um you know very good impressionist used to give some great impressions of myself and aj and brady Papinga, kevin green r.i.p but off-season clay at the at the old proactive was a lot of fun
2: you you asked you were asked about romeo after the game not you got a chance to reflect how do you think he did and um, is he a guy who's worthy to, assuming he keeps trending.
0: Is he a guy who's worthy of being one of the guys going forward, you know, only in the January?
3: I mean he's gonna be one of the guys, you know, we got uh, you know, four or five guys who are gonna get a lot of opportunities, especially now with Sammy out. I thought he caught the ball well with his hands. I think he needs to just continue to trust himself, you know, as he watches the phone back to catch and run out of it and secure the football. Obviously there was a you know, a ball came out on his first catch. But He's making enough mistakes to learn from them, and he does. And he's making enough positive plays to, to have those anchor points of positivity. We can think back about uh, the the you know the plays that he made that were really really solid plays in the game. So he's a great kid. Cares about it. Catches the ball with his hands. And I think this is just I'm just starting to see the, the possibilities. There's a lot to, a lot of growth for him to come.
0: Aaron, how does you prepare for these Wednesday sessions at your high? Do you prepare for them? What you're going to say for this okay. session yeah. yeah no tom
3: gives me a little sheet of paper with some ideas about what questions i usually peruse them tom i do <laughs> but uh, you know i know what's out there because tom doesn't leave me alone on some specific things he really feels like i need to see which usually gets swipe left and red button pushed but uh but no i enjoy the i enjoy the conversation um, I've been doing this long enough, I have an idea. You know, you're going to ask about Bill and ask about their defense and ask about a couple of specific guys. And if Stephanie's here, you know what questions she's going to ask. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just get used to to the flow. You know, Mike's going to do a 10 second, 50 second lead in on his (laughs) question. You You know, Spoon's going to jump in right at the end.
0: What's, <laughs> <of no> <laughs> what's that takes me that long? You of
3: got a haircut. You're looking good, man. Uh, what's the point in no yeah. a play? So, what's when the point you of no return?
0: When you can do it. When you can't. Well,
3: here's what happened on the first one. We were on a long cadence in the silent count, and Josh got up and was making a bunch of calls, right? Which you don't really want to do. So by the time we got into the possibility of snapping the play, there was nine seconds on the clock, with three head bobs coming. That's not enough time because they were in a pressure look where I was going to have to make an adjustment. Um, and the second one, we were just totally misaligned. We were supposed to be in a one by three formation. A couple guys went the wrong way. By the time we got lined up, I was thinking, all right, what can I get to in a two by two with a stack on a weak side now? Wasn't worth it. So, you just, like I, I told you, you just have to gauge uh, the situation, how much you need the timeout in that time, what's the value of. Taking a timeout does it override the value of just trying to get to something quickly in that moment? Um, momentum, where you are in the field, and, and what the score is in the game. Good.
1: go ahead. Did you ever have that situation that Brady had, uh, where they have uh, instant replay and they, you know, it says
0: 25, but they bring it down to 20 because they're they just reviewed it. The touchdown, and you will hear that it's twenty. I mean, is that? Have you ever had a situation where it got really low
3: on you? I've had situations where they've done a late review, or and the ref will say, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not pumping this back up at twenty-five. This is at seventeen. You better be ready. Or this is at twelve. You better be ready."
0: Um,
3: you're always, your eyes are always on that. You know, it's pretty normal to look over them and give them the pump-up signal, like, "Hey, come on, put it back up at 25. But But, uh, but you know, we know. One of the most difficult situations with the new way they're doing the clock is that touchdown to two-point conversion time frame, because they want to get that ball snapped. So we better celebrate quickly, get back into a formation, get a call, and and be ready to go. Otherwise, uh, it's going to get down on the clock, and we might be up against it. Aaron, speaking of the clock, there was a
0: lot of discussion about the lag time between the clock hitting zero and and I feel like what was that, a decade ago that we talked about that and you said that there was the lag time. Mm-hmm. Were you ahead of the curve on that and the rest of the league has finally realized that? Because that's, that's like old school. That was not new to I know not to you, but to anybody that heard that over 10 years ago.
3: Well, I mean, I I'd always asked about it because I was interested in uh, how tightly they're going to they're gonna police that. I think there was a time where there were certain crews who would, right at zero, go right to the flag, but um, the common knowledge was that there had to be a fully at zero and an understanding that it was a zero by the back judge in order to throw that flag. And we've been up against it for a long time. There's been a few that, you know, probably were really, really close. I don't feel like there was too many that, that we kind of abused that uh, pause in between the zero and the flag. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've just known about it because we have refs that come in every single training camp. And... Those are some of the
0: questions that i enjoy asking about two more friends the other day um she was, you said that you called plays for flynn so on twitter flynn said that he audibled most of those i am just wondering how many of those <laughs> <laughs> is that an accurate assessment by the or your former back probably
3: is <laughs> i saw some of those back i mean look uh we ran a, like i said we ran a screen pass to rg and i think the receiver blocked and nobody else did uh, he hit a, you know, an uh, offside for a touchdown. He hit a, you know, hit a empty pressure for a touchdown. He hit a, a, you know, a fade to J Mike for a touchdown. I didn't have to do a whole lot. Just give him some simple stuff. You know, Matty knew the offense well. It was a lot of fun to be a part of that. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he audibled out of quite a few of them because he learned from me. The two point conversion. Care to clarify
0: like a post
3: game
1: interview? I missed Pat's show yesterday. I don't know if you were going gonna answer. I did clarify you yesterday. Did yesterday? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I had, yeah, nothing to do with the two-point conversion. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. That'll do it for this game day edition of the Doug Russell podcast. Of course, you can continue on listening to the Packers radio network all day and all night long on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee or on a radio station near you or on the free iHeartRadio app. If you're in the Milwaukee area, if you are not in the Milwaukee area and you want to listen to the game, here's how you do it. You need a desktop computer. That's it. The way that the NFL streams games and what their rules dictate, what we can do at 97.3 the game, it means that if you have a desktop computer, that does include laptops, but no mobile devices, no tablets, or anything like that, uh, those are the NFL rules. Those are not our rules, those are the NFL's rules. But if you have a desktop computer, you can stream the game by going to thegame.mke.com. Again, that is thegame.mke.com. That's it for this edition, this game day edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Go Packers, and we'll talk to you next time.